Hello and welcome to MiceCast with your hosts Greg, Mike, and Shaft. Hello. It's kind Hello, of, good evening. It's kind of funny without the little buttons there, huh, Greg? Now, yeah, well, yeah. I, what I was thinking in my head is Richard's, there's something that changed in Richard's life and we don't need to talk about it tonight, but next time Richard's name is, you know, he no longer gets to go by Shaft, though that's been really funny. He will have a new name and a new theme song. Okay. Oh, okay. Is this going to okay. be a surprise for me I, too then? Yeah, it might be unless he's already mentioned it to no, you. No, he has not mentioned anything to me. Okay, then we'll hold off for two weeks on that because everybody will be uh, surprised and it will be a new fun thing to uh, <laughs> okay. go with Richard. R- a new fun thing to torment me with. Oh, so he doesn't sound like he's gonna he's having fun with it already. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it after the show maybe. All right, uh, all right. Though your first reaction to hear it on air would be funny. No, but save I, it for that. Save it. That's okay. I, I, I'm, I can do a good laugh. I'm, I can, <laughs> at my expense, though. Well, What's, okay, I'm sorry. That's just kind of the way things go sometimes. Not really. Yeah, Think of it as laughing with you. Because <laughs> so often While he you're is. you're laughing at me, yeah. Because so often he is laughing with us, right? Yeah. Now, Mike. Yes. Are we doing, is this going to be episode mailbag number one for our new season, or do we have anything to talk about outside of responses to our mail that we generate? I have something that I thought was interesting, Some some uh, something. Should we do that first, or do you want to get through the kind of email stuff? Uh, all right, I'll, let's do the my little analysis here real quick. Okay. This, right. is, this is the thing you said you had to say outside of the mail. Yes. In pre-production. Yes. Yeah, yeah, in our pre-production meeting that occurred two thirty seconds ago. <laughs> All right, so the it's still contrary to the rules of this show. You know, well, no. we we <laughs> did about thirty to forty-five seconds of uh, prep before we turned the mics on. It's very rare. We just said, "Let's go." All right, so we know the uh, Academy Awards this last weekend, right? It was. Yes, the Academy Awards were this last weekend, <clears throat> and. Uh, Pixar's movie Brave won Best Animated Feature over Wreck-It Ralph. Ask ask, ask uh, Mike or Mike. Ask Richard. I said Richard the other day. Hey, I see Brave won Best Picture. What was your response, Richard? Uh, best Animated Picture. Yes. Best Animated Feature. Yes. Was okay. what was your spo- response? Hmm. Oh what was your response to? To Greg asking you that Brave won Best Animated Feature. I don't remember, quite honestly. What was my response? It was pretty much, well, duh, come on, it was a great picture. Okay. Well, uh, well, I, and I responded to it, it was a beautiful picture, but the story was... Weak. Weak one, story. Left me wanting. Yes. Okay. You've been measured. <laughs> <laughs> and found wanting, yes. Okay, so... I. Seeing that, I had some some things were tweaking in my head about Pixar films and and the Academy. So I I Back, kind of I didn't pay attention much this year to the Academies uh, at all. The Oscars. What were the other animated features up against it? Uh, Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, I've only heard, heard good things. I've not seen yes. it. My daughter saw it. Just thought it was the most wonderful thing she's seen in a long time. And supposedly the short that was before it was equally everybody. Yeah. That's the, that short one, best short animated. Okay. Best well, animated short. Okay. So Wreck-It Ralph, uh, Paranorman, Frank okay. and Weenie, Misfit Band of Pirates and Brave. Okay. Of all those, I did see Paranorman. It was all right. 
not great. Though the commercials that were running on the radio would make you think it was the first and best thing done in animation in a hundred years. But uh, and literally they they use that term a hundred years in there. So you didn't hear any of those ads on the radio? No, no. And oh, I, oh, I was hearing them all the time. And Brave was the only one I saw. And and when I saw Brave, I was like, eh. So I had to look at Pixar's previous track record with the Academy. And there's some surprises in here when you kind of look at the at the stuff. You're saying as far as what was nominated or what won? It, the nominations other Pixar films have won, have, have have earned, and then categories they've won. Okay. So there's some concatenated, there's some, you know, d- data that's that's here. So Pixar films have have been nominated for lots of different things, right? Animated features is the obvious one. That they, uh, nine Pixar films have been nominated for best animated feature. Out of those nine, seven have won. Wow! Can you tell me with the first animated feature from Pixar to win best animated feature? Can, do you know? Do you remember the first one? The first Pixar film to win best animated feature. Uh, uh, I was gonna say the uh, Toy Story. No. Ants. Oh no, that was that's the other Bugs one. Life. <laughs> no, Finding Nemo was the first to win. Oh. Two years yeah. previous, Monsters Inc. was the first Pixar uh, film to be nominated. Okay. Okay. Right. So, Toy Story only was only nominated for original music, for song, and original score. Okay. Oh, and writing. Three okay. nominations. So, so far, those three movies, one of those is a loser. Yeah. Uh, Toy Story. And Did, what's it? No, 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 no. Toy Story didn't get nominated for Best Picture. You said of the nine nominated, seven won. Yes. And you mentioned that... Uh, Monsters, Inc. didn't win Best Animated Feature, and one other one should be kind of obvious. What What won that year? Oh, I don't know. Oh, you don't know. I Cars just, is the other one? Cars is the other one that was nominated but did not win. And I think... What's well, he? What won that year? Was that the Dragon one with Pixar? Or uh, DreamWorks? I can't remember. No. I... I you, I was just looking at Pixar data. I didn't okay. think what they so, went up against. Now, does that mean everything in between has been nominated every time they've got a nomination every year? Uh, no. Um, Toy Story 2? Toy Story 2 was not nominated for Best Animated Feature. Toy Story okay. 2 was nominated for only one category. Okay. Um, so, what what have you heard from all this data? All right, so... Besides animated feature, the other there's three categories that they all that that seven pictures have been nominated. One was original score. Seven films, seven Pixar films were nominated for original score. Only one won. That was a Toy Story one. No, Toy Story did not win for original score. Score, score. Oh, let me think. Score. And then uh, writing, original writing, seven films nominated for original writing. An eighth one orig- uh, nominated for adapted screenplay. One of Pixar's was a, was adapted. Toy Story three was adapted. From what? Toy Story. Oh, they considered that an adaptation. Yes. Yes. Okay, got you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. Okay, but so there's one category that's a little bit obscure that seven Pixar films have been nominated for with one win. Some kind of technical achievement. Yes, but it but it doesn't make it. It makes it to the main show. Oh, so it's not it's not the uh, not the, the geek not the geek awards that you see stills <laughs> for. No, actual no. during the you know big big show telecast. Uh, so wait, wait, wait. Directing? No, no. Um, 
couldn't be an actor nope. talent. Nope, nope, you, They don't you, you, they get those talents. You were circling around it when you said technical. Uh, well, just, sound? Yeah, sound editing. Okay. So sound editing is one of the categories they get nominated for a lot. So now here's the here's the one that's probably going to drive Greg nuts. Wally. <laughs> <laughs> what the? Uh, all, okay, out of all these Pixar films that have gotten nominations, um, Wally's the one that's got the most. Wally had six nominations and one well, wing. I think on a technical level, Wally did some really good things. Uh, to me, on the story level, and then the lack of detail of animation when they got to the fat people and the <laughs> ship. Uh, you know, it was like two different films. It was almost like watching my other favorite two films rolled into one. Um, the uh, the one we use for a roll call, or I mean for our mail. Uh, oh, Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. It's like two films rolled into one for me. It uh, is two films, uh, basically. So, Wally, I think, is on that kind of level. To me, it's two films rolled in the way. All right, so yeah, Wally won was one best animated feature, and then was nominated for original song, original score, sound editing, sound mixing, and writing. God, I wonder what it was up up against because the other thing should have won. All right, two Pixar films have nominated for multiple categories. Won two of them. Can you guess which two Pixar films won two categories? One of them is going to be animated feature, so that's going to be a given. And then the other one's going to be something else. So it got animated plus either sound or yep. score or yep, something. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I want to say Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3 was nominated, five nominations, one win for best animated feature, no other wins. Okay. Was it going back to uh, your favorite actor that was in Nemo? No, it's not Nemo, thankfully. <laughs> there was a lot good about it. I like Nemo. I know you don't like the, the actor. It, it was, was just, okay. It was okay. We got to love the sharks. Yes. Uh, actually, Ellen, that's probably one of her best roles. Uh, <laughs> annoyingly funny. Uh, Cars. No. Okay. Cars has no wins. Two nominations, no wins. I'm trying to think back of what it was. Was it Wally? No. No. Okay. You ready? Was, was it Brave? No. Brave only won, only nominated for one and won it. Bugs Life? No. You just, you just gonna, gonna go through the list until I yeah, say I, yes? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. I was trying to think through all the. I'm trying to think. There's some in there in the middle we we did not mention. That's right. Uh, the Rat Movie. The Rat Movie nominated five, only won one. Okay. Trying to think what else has, has been in there besides the rap movie. Keep going. I know. It's like, okay, you have these in the. You're right around it. Tip of my tongue. I'm swirling right around the rap part. How oh, fudge me. What the. Um, Go ahead. I can't. I can't all right. I'm, so The Incredibles. Oh. Four nominations. Oh. Four nominations, two wins animated feature and sound editing. Oh. And the other one was Up. That was a great soundtrack. Oh, Up, yeah. Up, up was good. Animated what? feature and score. I enjoyed Up until, you know, we really have to go with that, uh, you know, suspend belief thing when that old fart's still living and there's no female dogs, but yet they multiply. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Okay, so, 
So dig this. So Toy Story could happen. You don't know. Toy Story nominated three times for three categories, didn't win a lick, but they did give a special achievement award for the computer animation. You're 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 um you're getting to something in a long. No, round. that that's it. I, the the whole the whole gist of it was that films you don't up you shouldn't be surprised you that it won two Oscars, right? But The Incredibles was surprising that it won two Oscars. When I, when I plotted all this stuff out, I was like, holy cow. Why did you think that was incredible? I would have thought that it stood a good chance of winning score. It's one of, one of Michael, or, uh, Michael Giacchino's. G. Yeah, I like that. Very, that very, very spy, score. yeah. Um, so why, why is... I thought you were getting to some incestual thing that, you know, Lasseter's really hooked in at the Academy. and that's No, why no, no. I It just... Brave is the first Pixar film in a long time that's only nominated in one category. And that's surprising because some, I, like I say, I, I think it fell short story-wise, but the rest of the film, I thought... Yeah, it looked good. It was a masterpiece. Um, I was really disappointed that the story wasn't a little more thick, you know. <laughs> but uh, what's funny is the... The guy I went to see it with, uh, we went saw the uh, El Capitan at a screening. He, he goes, I thought I was seeing a foreign film. I couldn't understand some of it. I'm like, come on, give me a break. Oh, listening to Scottish <laughs> Brogue is cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, it just, I, I saw that. I'm thinking, well, let me plot this out. And plotting out all this stuff, the last film to get nominated for only one category was Toy Story 2 in 99. Before that was Bugs Life, 99. Yeah. And that was for original song. Back Score for two. Bugs Life, song for Toy Story 2. And then since then, they've had a grip of nominations and, you know, wins. I, you know, I know that we are predominantly a Disney podcast, but I'd like to know how DreamWorks has fared against, because they're really the only competition per se. I mean, and... All right, well, I, for next time, I'll plot DreamWorks animation. Yeah, Personally, I think sometimes... DreamWorks is the one that's been shafted. They tend to win, you know, they've won like at the Annie's, but then they don't win at the Academy Awards, or they win at uh, the um, the foreign what is Golden it? Globes? Globes, but then they don't win, um, you know. At the Academy. Well, they've had a fair amount there as well. I, uh, thought, I uh, think compared to how many times Pixar's won Best Animated Feature, I don't. They're still they're still pulling up in second place. But I agree with they've got some great films, and I just don't. I think sometimes they get, you know, they they're like trying to crawl out from the Pixar shadow. For some reason, I think Pixar is still seen as the golden. Well, dude, eight eight nominations for writing, eight. That's that's pretty good. It's because most most of their stories are original. Uh, now I think Wall-E shouldn't have deserved a writing one, but it's like that. You talk about an adaptation. Just pick any disaster <laughs> film that's been ever written. Something from every single one of them. And 2001 was pretty hard to hide in that, along with maybe Soylent Green and a, you know, a few other post-apocalyptic movies. But anyways, should so, we move on? Or do you yeah, yeah no, that I, I would just, like I said, I, the Brave only one nomination, and you know they won their category. But I'm like, wow. So let me, I plotted all this out. I'm thinking, wow. Seven, eight awards, eight nominations for writing just surprised me because you don't think of that. Seven nominations for editing, Look no one thinks of that. Awards in general, there have been some films that just get a shitload of nominations and don't win squat. <laughs> Maybe not even one. Um, 
And, it, you know, I, I'm glad Argo won. As I was actually watching the updates come to my, my cell phone. Uh, I tend to not to watch just because it's such a it's such a presentation. I just want to know who won. Yeah, Seth MacFarlane, he made me laugh. But I tuned in for him. Some of the stuff I've heard about okay. Argo since or Jimmy Carter trying to get his two minutes of glory for that. Uh, don't go and get me started. Exactly. Jimmy Car- if Jimmy Carter had a had a set down below where men usually have a set, they are 52 hostages would not have spent 444 days in captivity. Have you seen the film? Yes, I've seen the film. And, and see, oh, I think I've been waiting to ask you, did the last like three or four minutes with the voiceover just make you want to scream? The voiceover? Yeah, the Jimmy Carter voiceover that, you know, talked about he should he should get a little credit. And I'm like, you'll say, wait, you're the one that said leave him there. Oh, no, I, I, I remember Jimmy Carter talking at the end of that. Where were you? Or, I, maybe or, I wasn't listening. I was reading the. Maybe it was was he talking while they were showing us cards? I think they you were talking. They were showing the picture. They might have been showing the pictures of all of the uh, the people. The the because they're showing the act the the pictures of the actor and the picture of the actual person. They all pretty much look like them except for the non Hispanic Ben Affleck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and but they were saying what they were doing now or how long how you know what what happened to them after the fact and all that. It was there earlier, or who knows? Maybe it got pulled out of the film from you know from negative reactions. But I haven't heard anything about that. But I'm like, yeah, mother fracking. What's wrong? No, the Jimmy Carter, a little. Oh yeah, no, because I I remember very clearly the day the day Ronald Reagan raises his hand is the day these people are released. Yeah, because yeah, Carter's trying to say that he they'd all they got all that done and figured out before. Oh hell no. They knew that Reagan was going to come in guns blazing if they didn't if they didn't give him up. They knew it. That's pretty much the thing I've always gone for. Okay, let's move on to okay. mail. So we got an email from Amanda Harper. She's going to be coming out to Disneyland. Just wanted to let you, you know, first time ever. Pretty, yeah, first time ever. She asked a whole bunch of questions. I've already replied. Um, Thanks for including us all in that reply so we knew, by the way. That was great. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, so I tried to reply in my iPhone. For some reason, it's not accepting any outgoing mail uh, or it's not sending mail out. So I had to go back and do it on the computer. And then by then, I probably forgot to copy you guys. But anyway, she's thankful that I responded so quickly. Did you guys respond? No. I was I figured think- we would just do it on the show like we usually do. I see. Well, what if she didn't have time to watch the show? And she may have needed to make a hotel reservation like yesterday. So uh, wait. That, that for... didn't cross my mind, though. <laughs> Sorry. I'll stay in the bubble. And <laughs> we got another one by a guy who thought he was the guy that was mentioned by some other guy that really wasn't, didn't have any information about that guy in the first place. So maybe later that guy will come on the show. There okay. Um, let's do over under one last, right? Okay, we can end with that. Okay, so the big ticket from the last show has to do with the print-at-home tickets. If we would have been on the hub, that would have been like the perfect segue. <laughs> but we don't care. response from that show because of the ticket issues. Uh, Carl, our friend Carl from uh, Texas, had a lot to say about that. I don't know if we need to read every 
last word he said. But basically, bottom line from Carl, because remember I said it's probably the... Well, I, th I think we can sum up Carl's view on it in pretty much two words. Say, it's crap. Well, <laughs> well, I kept saying that it's got to be the idiots filling it out, not putting all the information. According to Carl, and I got a copy of the ticket he printed out, it's all on Disney. Remember that, re remember that, by the way. Remember when you said that you're saying that. What? That it's the idiots not filling out the tickets right. Remember that you said that. I was sure it was the idiots not filling okay. something out. And he's... I, I have to admit, I was I was similar to Greg. I was figuring, oh yeah, people are just taking shortcuts and they're not filling things out there. But he, He's absolutely... I wouldn't say he's incensed over it, but he says it's absolutely Disney's fault. Um, in the first place, when you, you place your, let's say you're going to place the order. Let's say, Mike, I'm going to place an order for all three of us. We're all going on the same day. Since I'm paying, it will ask for my name. Sure. To go but, with your credit card, right? But that's it. It doesn't ask who the other people are. I, I know. Not only, that, not only that, but there's no place for you to put input who the other people are. It just will leave them blank. Pretty much what has to happen when you get there is they have to put this information in because the system does not account for it. So the only way that, uh, let's say, for his family, if they wanted this all pre-done to the you know short time is have each one of them pay for their tickets individually and send you know fill out the thing themselves uh, for each one. Oh, that would save time at the turnstile. Oh, maybe, but it wouldn't save time at home. No, correct. So, and then add on that, Richard can um, chime in on this. It requires the cast member to use a touch screen that really probably wasn't designed for this kind of input to put all of the information that's needed in. In addition, they want you to have your ID with you. There is nowhere on this printed sheet that it says to bring your ID. You know, I know some... Uh, can Canadian travelers that usually don't carry their ID with them when they're on vacation stays in their hotel room. So what if you printed this out, you got to the gate and it's oh, front. Yeah. Go back to your hotel. Well, yeah. It, and it gets more interesting. Let's say you and I are going, but Greg bought the tickets as a gift. So he sends the tickets with us, but his is the only name on it. And you and I don't have anything that shows that the tickets belong to us. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so it you're screwed. Kind of interesting. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. And the only thing I could explain to Carl is, you know, it's one, definitely one of those things that the left hand's not looking at what the right hand's doing. Marketing's doing a wonderful job with the tickets, but it's the main gate that has to live with it. Can you guys hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. I kept saying Richard. Richard. But see, when, you know, again, it's a, it's the not full non-full duplex uh situation with skype that when one when one of you two is talking the other one's not not get doesn't get through what i was going to say the only thing i think richard might be slightly off on that one is if you've got two tickets that have no information on you it's gonna whoever's the first one to use it is going to get their name put attached to that barcode and that ticket they're going to print out so it wouldn't really matter you know you take two of these blank things that doesn't have any name on it because only the name went on the first ticket purchased i don't think that would really matter well, I'm I'm saying that if you were to buy the t buy Mike and me the tickets, say you you know you're being generous, which is not in your normal nature, I understand, but 
you're being generous in this case and you're buying Mike and I the gift. And so we take the two tickets. Well, one of them's going to have your name. The other one's going to be blank. But one of us is going to have a ticket with your name on it. Unless, well, if I bought three tickets, considering I was probably going to go, then it wouldn't be a big deal. But just to buy you a ticket out, yes, and that could create a problem if I was going to give them two of them away. Or maybe you just don't put your name on that one. So how do you use it? Well, because you, you you print something out. Like, I'm looking at the one he has here. And there's not a name on this thing. It's got a barcode. But there's a, there's a name now associated with that barcode in, in the turnstile system. I don't believe so. So that ticket wasn't well, used. There, it, that, it was that ticket not used? Ticket. No, this, no, this one that was printed out for him to take to the gate he actually wrote brian on it because this was his kids he you would take this up to the gate they would scan it it has no information so they got to put all the information in now this barcode's associated to a pr- uh, ticket they print out for you that oh you the, the little small card size ticket that you would stick in the fast pass uh, machine right. for example okay picture which i think he said happened more than once because neither park seemed like they were talking to each other um they did take I, a picture or no? I'm sorry, I missed that. Did take a picture. And I want to say that he said they had to take the picture of both parks because they weren't quite caught up or something. Uh, I might be mixing two different incidents up. No, he he, he did say that, that when they went to the second park, they had to take the pictures all over again, and they explained that their system wasn't talking. And I can I can understand that because it's that's a fairly recent addition that they've done to it, adding the pictures into it. I can't understand that because they should all be linked. I, I could understand if you had done it within 10 minutes, but even at that, this is the digital age. Things do move a little quicker than, you know. Not at Disney. <laughs> yeah. We, Pete, Net, Pete, um, well, Pete Evans and I were talking on uh, that uh, Sunday, the President's Weekend Sunday, where a bunch of us you know, got together. And we're talking about the situation. Brad, Brad was kind of ticked because <laughs> before Carl set you straight, you know, you were rant, you know, swearing up and down that it's the person printing the ticket at fault, and Brad was taking offense at that. But so Pete, Pete and I were talking, like you know, I can get on an airplane with my with with no paper. All I have to do is show the the blueberry at you know the check, you know the ticket check my driver's license and my smartphone with the ticket on there and they let you through and then to get on the airplane itself you just have your phone scanned by the little barcode reader yeah well come on if if i can get on an airplane with a much more carl to quote carl here let me quote carl's email because he said it best he says, heck, I buy airplane tickets costing a lot more than Disneyland ticket, and all I have to do is show my driver's license security and place my cell phone on the scanner to get on the airplane. So there is proof that it should not be delaying everyone to have online ticketing. One would think Disney could figure this out and have people add the necessary information online. Oh, I totally agree with him there. It should be all should be done online so when you get there... It's a breeze. It's a breeze. You scan it, you prove who you are with, a, with an ID, and the, either on the printout or somewhere online... I would I would think it would be a better place on the printout to say must present a valid picture ID, you know. And then again, if it's a young child, um, 
present, you know, maybe adult must be present, something to, you know, get the child in who may not have a valid ID. Sure. Because, you know, to fly, you needed a picture ID plus your ticket, like they're saying. You show them both, could be on your smartphone. Same here. I wondered, it's, you know, this is printed home, but could you have brought this on your tablet or your smartphone? Did you really have to print it out? You know, I don't know. Uh, it depends on how. This is your ticket. Please keep it in a safe place and bring it with you when visiting the Disneyland Resort. If you purchase multiple items, be sure and bring every page as each Disney e-ticket represents an individual ticket. So they are telling you to print it, but you would think they should be able to just scan them from a... Well, a it, it, well, it, yeah, because it's generated as a PDF. Right. And, you, know, you know, you and I both know that you can store PDFs fairly well, easy on an on a iPhone. Well, one, one thing is, though, when you're using the... Because I have a friend that uses the uh, uh, his iPhone and for airline tickets and everything, does the same thing, just scans the phone. That's all on an app. So Disney would have to create an app to be able to do that, which, okay, why don't they? But I don't know what the answer would be on that. Except for is the, you know, there are times where Disney can just fall literally a decade or more behind the times on just certain things for various bureaucratic and political reasons. Need an app, Richard. All you have to do is bring up the PDF. It's not necessarily in an app. If I were to buy my Delta tickets and I save the PDF, I just pull the PDF up. Or wait, wait, we, stop, stop. How do you pull the PDF up? With well, okay, with a PDF reader. With an app. Okay, but that doesn't. It's called iBooks. <laughs> it sound like that was a air ticket app, where Disney would need a ticket app. All you have to do is bring up whatever app you have to read the PDF. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but. I understand that part. Yeah, because the one I saw was the American Airline one, which is an app. Some have them within them, but you could also just pull up your confirmation email that's got a, you know, the PDF copy of your ticket. Well, what keeps you from doing, beyond the fact that they do say print this up, there wouldn't be anything that really keep you from doing it anyways, because you could just bring the barcode up, and if the barcode's valid, the computer will read it. If it's not valid... It'll tell you. Sorry, Charlie. Right. You could say, I did print it. This is my digital print. Exactly. (laughs) But again, I I, I still go back to the thing that there's times where, yeah, Disney should be doing it. It would make it more convenient. There's a lot of things that could be fixed on this that we can talk about. But for one reason or another, and you guys know only too well because having worked there yourself, uh, Disney can just really fall behind the times for the stupidest reasons. You know, considering they used to have a machine that could print you a ticket and figure out if you were the big winner. <laughs> Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, okay. You know, the whole last thing you just said was was faded. Oh, I was. I said you would think if Disney could figure that out, they would in the digital age they could. You know, it really just sounds like whoever the marketing people are and then, you know, the people on the ticket side have not really talked a lot and and worked this out. And I would hope that there's been a lot of guest complaints so they can address this issue and people just aren't putting up with it like a bunch of sheep. Uh, Because quite frankly, because I I was telling uh, 
Carl said, well, maybe they should just they just need a kiosk out in front to take care of people with printed tickets. Well, why should they have to suffer? They're they're following Disney's thing. OK, <laughs> maybe they should go to a separate turnstile. Well, again, why should I have to? You know, I'm printing this out. Good point, Carl. I'm doing them a favor, right? Right. You're so you're supposed to be. Uh, yeah. Cutting lines down by not. It, it's supposed to be just being convenient and good. And it's just not working out. All right. Okay, I figured out the he, Richard. Yeah. Did did it, are you outside? Yes, I am. Did, I am outside did, in beautiful downtown Anaheim. Did tonight. something loud just drive by? Yeah, a car went by. Because when that car went by, it cut out. It it activated your mic and cut out Greg. Uh, Greg and I had that little issue earlier, and we thought we fixed it. But I will take a look at it again. What were we about to say there, Greg, about moving on to something? Oh, I said he thought he fixed it. I had nothing to do with it other than suggesting that he take it off of the auto dampening or whatever it's got going. I was saying, should we move on to the racist white rabbit or should we move on to the over-under? Uh, well, you don't want me to read Brad, Brad's rant to you? <laughs> sure. I asked you that earlier and you just kind of said I, he... I probably didn't hear it then because... All right, so uh, Brad... What'd you say, Richard? Can you hear me at all? No, barely. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, nice. How about that? <laughs> That's fine. Okay. <laughs> all right, so he sent this to me. Hey, Mike, I just listened to your last, latest show, and I wanted to comment on your rant about printed home tickets. My wife and I have had an AP for several years now, but we did visit the resort with six members of my family the week before Christmas. Since I was in charge of all the travel arrangements, I was also tasked with buying park hopper tickets for everyone. Can I stop you for a second? Yeah. Just I just because I feel like I need to give Brad a hard time <laughs> charge of making an anal plan to come to the park and have everything covered. Sure. <laughs> so anyway, he says, I'll guarantee you that there's no place to include each guest info. Greg and Jeff can suck it for calling guests like myself effing idiots. <laughs> they need to educate wait, themselves. Wait, wait, wait. I, I, I got to fix that. I did not say that. That was solely Greg that said that. So they need to educate them. That all I take personal responsibility. I know. I you know it would have been funnier to read this before you came along, all contrite and change your viewpoint. But so he was pretty ticked when I saw him Sunday because he sent this like Friday, and I saw him two days later. Where's Greg? I want to give Greg a piece of my mind. I told him you were busy. He's like going off on me about this. Said sorry. He gets way too worked up over. Yeah, but it's fun. It, it is fun. But Carl, once I talked to Carl, you know, and then I had firsthand experience with the ticket and someone who had been through the, you know, we like it, always, we never do any research. So uh, we literally were discussing something we didn't know much about, but that's nothing new for us. All right. So uh, we have the, I forgot, Kevin, I did not prep your voicemail to play but Kevin Crossman sent us more commentary on the printed home tickets sorry Kevin that we're unprepared to include it in this uh, week's show but but we will agree with you that yes it's crap but anyway I just you know he went through all the trouble to put together an, uh, an audio response and I felt bad that I was overcome by well just a little bit bad I was overcome you should, by you should feel bad. yeah all right. I feel bad because you should feel bad. Is that how it works? 
Something like that. I don't know. All right. So do you want me to read uh, the, the this email from uh, Scott is pretty much pat on the back. He's taken us to task for a couple things. But before we go to the way, racist white rabbit, do you want me to read this? He said, sure, go for it already. Did uh, you hear? Maybe, maybe not. All right. You know what? I, I think his the noise in his background is keeping his mic open, and you're not hearing half of what I say. Correct. Yeah, you know, I'm turning. I'm turning the mic all the way down as far as I dare to drop it. So. Well, no, it sounds fine. But seriously, we got to figure out another way to do this. Anyway, <clears throat> from Scott. All right. So welcome back, Mike, Greg, and Shaft. Though I'm only sending this to you, Mike, since I prefer hearing your professional reading skills. It is great to hear you three back on the microphones. I look forward to hearing your shows again, and I'll make a deal. If MiceCast hits show number 300, you can count me in to help create a greatest moment episodes like I did for the first 100 shows. So what's up with the wussy hour-long shows? Are you guys starting to show your age? <laughs> <laughs> the two-hour shows are a hallmark of classic MiceCast. Another item that has slightly bothered me is that neither you nor Greg have an annual pass. I do still. I do have an annual pass. Hey, uh, Mike. Are yeah. You, can, you, can you hear me, Mike? Yes. Okay, because there for a minute I was going, Mike, 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 and he never answered. I was going to say, one, I might suggest to Richard to hold his hand over his his sensitive mic to maybe. Well, it's it's not my sensitive mic because I turned the mute on. So I've been muted the entire time. So if you dropped out, no, it it's not my mic. All right. Anyway, um, tell him he can buy me an annual pass anytime he wants. It's a financial issue right Sure, now. sure. We all know that. I'm, okay, so I'm going to continue. He's a five-hour plane ride away from Disneyland, and I really enjoyed hearing your updates on what is happening inside the berm of the happiest place on Earth. As I mentioned before, your live broadcast while waiting in line for Pirates reopening ranked is one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> that show brings back fun memories. Con, can your faithful fans help with the cause? Oh, here you go. I'd be willing to drop $40 to start the ball rolling, and I'll add 10 bucks if I can have an autographed picture of the crew with Richard's face. <laughs> I miss hearing Greg bitch about ECVs along with greatest deter- general deterioration of the park and food service, so I really need to get them back inside the gates. Awesome. Since it's been a few years without you all, I have some unanswered questions. Are any of the rumor changes in Tomorrowland going to happen, such as returning the people mover or moving the Astro Orbit back from the entrance? I, thought- I think people are just, you know, wish, you know. No, I, I don't think anything's happening with the people mover track here. I thought it was interesting that the last time I was in Walt Disney World this fall, the TTA had been renamed the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover. As a side note, on that visit, I was pleased to see the other new management abomination had been restored back to the original Enchanted Tiki Room show. Back to Anaheim, I seen pictures of the new Cars Land. I was wondering how the Radiator Spring e-ticket compared to Test Track. Mike, can you stop a minute? Sure. Okay. So I don't think you, when you're talking, I don't think you can hear me either. Um, I... I isn't the TTA in Florida been the TTA Transit Authority people mover for a long time? I don't know. They added the people mover name back into the Transit Authority. I don't know when that occurred. Is that I'm trying to remember when? Because she when first was out there what, back in the the seventies. It was the Wedway. It was the Wedway people mover. I think then. We went back. It was the TTA, you know, Tomorrowland Transit Authority. But I, I was thinking People Mover was always there at the end of it, but I could be wrong. Yeah. If, if, if I can add some on to the piecemeal here, on since we've already talked about the People Mover at Disneyland and we've talked about the Astro 
Orbiter and Disneyland. Um, we were talking about this with Carl the other night, and Greg hit it exactly what the exact explanation is. Everybody would love to see the People Mover come back, but you got to remember, the People Mover track is not there anymore. It's the old rocket rod track that's still there. So you're talking about completely redo. The only thing that's standing is the old is the superstructure that held both attractions. So you're talking about you'd have to be rebuilding the People Mover essentially from scratch to put it in there. Everybody would like to see it. It's just a money issue on is it worth spending the money. Uh, Astro Orbiter, we, Greg and I have a friend that uh, used to be an ergonomics engineer, and he had the absolute best explanation of you have a very popular ride in Star Tours on one side, you have a very popular ride of Buzz Lightyear on the other side. What should you do? You should put a ride right in the middle of their two queues and really jam up the entrance. Okay. I, I have a few more sentences left. Okay. All right. So also, how are the changes to the entrance of area of DCA shaping up? And finally, are the pin trading horse still lurking around the parks, or is that fad faded away? I need some updates. Because he had an exclamation point there. I think um, the horrors are still around. Yeah, they? they're out. They're out. Yeah, in the, downtown Disney now. They're they're a little quieter about it. We don't seem to have near the problems now. I think everything, but they are still very much there. Is you know you'll see them walking the streets. I see about downtown Disney. Uh, I forget which place. Yeah, that that if I remember right. Those were kind of a different class of whore. Uh, <laughs> the whores in the park were—I don't know—they were—they were. Those whores were asking for a little more money. Well, they're, well they're you know, prices there. for everything are up in Disneyland, right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're asking a whore. No, never mind. Um, they're still there. You still got the table, the trading tables by Little Green Men in Tomorrowland and the uh, Westward Ho in Frontierland, and they're still sitting there with their books, you know, spread out. And if they can get away with it, they'll take a second or third table. See what I mean? This. See what I mean? We got, we got whores by Westward Ho. <laughs> Ho, yes. Got the hoes and isn't Westward Ho? Wasn't that the name of the fry cart over by Big Thunder? No, that was. Um, Westward Ho's always been one of the Westward shops. Ho, yeah. Uh, Next what to was that thing called uh, Fry, uh, that McDonald's Fry one. Is that yeah, what yeah. It was something very similar. I'm trying to remember what it was. What was the other thing he was talking about? The the update he needed on besides Ho's. Uh, let's see. Um, to, uh, DCA. DCA. Which is, well, I, I think I, I love the new entrance. I love the new Buena Vista Street in uh, California Adventure. Uh, it is just. It's it's a thousand percent better than what there was there in the past, and it really does look nice. Much more immersive. I have issues with the entrance. Uh, it doesn't fit with the fabled theme of when Walt arrived in. <sighs> You're gonna hang on to the to the <laughs> to the structure He's, there. Well, it was built punch. ten years after he showed up. Is yeah, that the problem? That, well, that's one thing, and the second thing is because all the Disney World whores will always think we copy. copy yeah, that's my bigger yeah. problem with it than the, yeah, than I, the I timing of it. Yeah, though, if those idiots would realize that it's a California landmark in the first fucking place, <laughs> need to drop the ball, right? um, even though I like the look of ours, I think the way it's lit is is nicer than the way they did it in Florida. But they could have come up with something a little more unique just to have the parks be different. Because 
you know, other than the Magic Kingdoms, which share a lot of similarities because they are a Magic Kingdom, DCA has no counterpart other than the basic plan of the park. I think still ma- still follows some of the plans they used with uh, the Disney MGM and some of the basic layouts. I know I've had some arguments with people about that, but uh, I, I think I can stand pretty strong from a planning professional side to say I think it does. But, you know, you'd think you'd go for something different to give each park its own you, you, totally unique feel. And, and that there was a big fail. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, you're going to go with the 1923 question that when Walt first went to California and the complaint that the uh, Pan, uh, Pan Pacific was built after he arrived. Well, so, you know, there's a lot of things there. The Carthay Circle was after that and all that. But it, the overall feel, I like the overall feel. And one of the things that always stands out was whenever I go walking into Elias and Company with that Art Deco style, the wood grain that they have in there, even down, right down to the tile uh, floor with the embedded name on there, just reminds me of the old uh, Broadway that used to be over there in Hollywood that back in its, well, waning days, I don't want to say it's heyday, but in its waning days, I remember as a child, visiting that store and i just get the same exact feel of the way the uh, setup looks yeah at least the carthay theater was within you know two or three years of when walt arrived and it, it's got a reason to be there because of you know the premiere of um snow white but the pacific right. really has no connection that i can think of to disney per se other than being a one-time semi-icon only for its architecture i mean it didn't it it was already in decay uh when it you know got torched so or, yeah our map head burned it down whatever happened to it but it but it does have a very distinctive look and i'm trying to think would there be something as distinctive that said california beyond the uh pan pacific auditorium absolutely and I, golden gate you, bridge we already had that. We got rid of it. Oh, well, <laughs> well, that, that wouldn't work because I think they were trying to. You've got to tie it to Hollywood or L.A. because that's the look they're going for as you enter the park. I was going to say that big donut shop that's got the big donut on top of it. Randy's, Randy's donuts. donuts. <laughs> Just kidding. But I'm sure we, if we thought and we looked around some of the architecture of uh, L.A., we could have found something that was a little more um, unique. Griffith Observatory. And yeah, then duplicating something we've already done. But, you know, that's beating a dead horse. It's here and it looks good. So, anyways, uh, there was one thing that, uh, read that last little bit, please, Mike, uh, when we were coming up to the pin horse. Because there was something he was ask, also asking for. Uh, how are the changes? Entrance, Farland Pin Horse. Uh, Want to know how Radiator Springs compared to Test Track? Oh, side note, he's at Walt Disney World. He's pleased to see that the under new management abomination have been restored. Um, so That's nice to hear. I'm goes from Cars Land. That's old That's news. Uh, yeah. Oh, Radiant Springs, I was, you know, because there was a lot of people, you know, again, Disney World horses. Yeah, it's not going to go as fast as Test Track. It's not going to be as good. Um, in some sense, they, they might be correct. It doesn't go as fast. I don't think it needs to, and quite frankly, I think part of the reason they kept it where they kept it was to make it more 
family friendly because cars is a huge thing with the small tykes. Yes. Make that thing too fast. You're not going to get the small tyke back on it or you're not going to get them on it in the first place because you might just have a restriction um, based on whoever decides heights and regs and all of that. But I think this is a nice blend. Yes, I would like to see it open up a little more, but I think um, though it does feel a little slow on the inside sometimes uh, compared to test tracks, there's a lot of different things going on. You have a few animated segments, but I think... You know, if, if you like the film, I think it's got more writability over and over and over. Yes. Than Test Track. Though Test Track is just fun. I, you know, I got kind of bored with it. I was just waiting for the big, you know, 60 mile an hour thing at the end, which, quite frankly, I drive usually faster than that on a daily basis. So it's, but not with a convertible. And that low to the ground either. And that low to, well, yeah, it's been a while since I've been able to drive that low to the ground. Um, and I'm wondering, I'm, I'm trying to remember, were there any variables on test track or was it always the same exact show that you run through? Because that's one kind of thing that's kind of fun is there's a couple. It's not no, major. No but variables. variables. No variables no, on test track. I don't know about 2.0, but the original test track, no no variables. Yeah, and it's nice to have, you did, like I said, nothing major, but you do have a couple little nice variables that do make it a little different now and then when you go into uh, see uh, Radiator Springs. Really? I can only think of one variable. I've I've only seen one, so I don't know. I, I've only heard about the other option at that point. Uh, and it's what you either get your tires changed or you get a paint job. Get a paint job. You know, I think you got because the, the paint job is the is the person behind trying to catch up to the guy getting the tire change, right? Or is it the other way around? Uh, it, it's random. The, what they've said is it's supposed to be random. That I, it'll put one car on one side, it'll put the other car, but it'll randomize and change which one it will go with where right but doesn't it it isn't it all about timing to get the two up together so they're ready to go race correct okay but i've seen i've seen lots of singles comes out of there not racing anybody (laughs) yeah that has happened that that does happen now and then so you know if you got two cars following each other every two you know have to be paired up and that if the one's in front the one that comes second so the one that's in front would have to have something going on longer than the one that comes up second, so they time out. Is the way I was explained to me. Like, again, I've only yeah. Seen well, it. that yes, that it makes sense. But um, the so I've I've had both sides right in the um, you're swinging both ways. Is what you're saying? Yeah, right. So the the pit stop, the tires from the navy usually goes first, and you come up, and Doc Hudson's talking to you, and he says to you. And then as you slowly go up to the starting line, he swings and talks to the people who got the paint job. And by and then, you know, you're sitting there and you're waiting a few seconds for them to come up to the start line with you, then off you go. But remember they, they space everything out. So when you go through the first thing at the beginning, you know, where Mater takes you backwards and all that, or he goes backwards, he can his his animatronic get back into place for the car behind you. And and uh, the paint, if I remember correctly, the paint side, you're constantly moving. You're slowly moving through the paint shop while they paint you up, and you see your car change color when you look in the mirrors. Whereas the tire change, you know, the car stops, and the two sides pop up, right? Pit stop, and you look out, and then now you see white walls on your car as you roll forward. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. The lo- second or third time, then we'll get, get it all figured out. Uh, 
the last two sentences of this email, by the way, because I still haven't been able to finish it. No, I thought you'd done. No, no. You said, Mike, can I interrupt you for a minute? That's the... That's where he stopped. So he says, he, uh, I'm glad you guys decided to come out of retirement. I look forward to listening to many more episodes. Please don't try another poker show and take away the sound effect machine away from Greg. Screw you guys. And and the, sub- <laughs> the subject of this email was, holy shit. <laughs> uh, for one, I think next show will be a poker show. Uh, <laughs> and the soundboard will be there at the table with us. Who will? The soundboard. Okay. <laughs> You know the nice thing about it is with the uh, with the new mixer there, you can actually be able to get individual mics on us rather than have one set sitting in the middle of the table trying to pick us all up. But that, exactly. that one thing worked really good. Yeah, for yeah, it does work pretty good. But yeah, if you want to be really clean, yes, you could get everybody separate. Uh, those those mics are incredible on those uh, zooms. Uh, as far as for many uh, emails that we had saying ditch the soundboard, we've had equally as many saying. I like it. Bullshit. So. Bullshit. Oh, it's not equal. It is. All right. So you want to talk about the weight racist white rabbit now, don't you? It or- doesn't matter to me uh, if we talk about it or not. It's such bullshit. Uh, but we can talk about it. But I think I can't believe it's even going on. But that's California and America for you. Sue, sue anybody you want. and Deep pockets. The courts and cost people money. I mean, any sane society would just toss this out and say, come on. But the, I, I'll give you an example of something just, weird just happened. You, know, I, I, you guys know I listen to KFI, KFI all the time. There is a business in Orange County. There's, they did a cash mob. You know what a cash mob is? Yeah, at the Garden Grove place. I heard about that. Did you hear what happened? All I, I heard the tail end of it when I was in the car today. So all I know is that someone showed up to that that felt like because they were in a wheelchair that they didn't get equal access or they couldn't get the their van parked and get their their thing out the side that they're suing. So I guess this guy has sued like nine times since 2010. Um, suing so who? Suing people, you know, ADA issues. You know, he goes to some place, oh, your ramp was, uh, you know, a quarter percent too steep. I'm going your to- mirrors are one inch too high in the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. So this guy is sued nine times. You think? Come on, just throw this shit out, uh, or, or just uh, the court should say fine to the person, fix it, right? Not give the because well, I guess this this lawyer's website pretty much says, are you in a wheelchair? Have you found you have not been able to blah blah blah? Get four thousand dollars for every time you've been wronged. So the guy is basically extorting companies to get because if he's given four thousand to a uh, a plaintiff, you know he's getting his cut off the top of that. So they're probably getting sued for more like ten thousand. Yeah, you know. Uh, and I saw this in architecture when I was still working a lot out in Inland Empire. The guy was uh, his company was I think include me. And it was like an extortion. Hey, I tell you what, if you put me on retainer and I'll look at all your details, I'll make sure you don't get sued. Oh, if you don't get on it, basically what he's telling you, if you're not on retainer, there's a good chance you might get sued, right? By me. He's going to yeah. come straight after you. That's sure what, that's what it sounded like to me. Now, he may claim that he never extorted anybody. And that's not what he meant, but it sure was implied. So... I don't know. It's what it sounds like is going on here. So then they were encouraging people to go spend more money because it's supposedly what what all the profits they might have made in that one day were all sh- could be shot on this uh, 
whatever this potential lawsuit is. And and when I was hearing it, I'm going to have to go over there and look because it sounds like a parking issue. It might not be his parking lot. You know, it could be a joint parking lot that, uh, uh, you know, the city has or because uh, he might own his building, but I doubt if he owns his parking lot. I don't know. I don't know the total situation. I thought I might email Bill uh, to Bill Carroll show to ask him saying, hey, you know, I'm. You know, it might be it might be good publicity for some architects I know to get in and take care of this thing for some. You know? Kind of like uh, when we went to Las Vegas, Greg and I actually went to go visit the shop where Pawn Stars is, and along the side is this parking lot, and there are all these signs that they say, "Don't park in this parking lot. It is not our parking lot." But it's right there up against the shop, and they've had people that have parked in that parking lot, and the owner just literally has somebody sitting there ready to have that vehicle towed or whatever so that that's how he's been making money off of it because it's not their parking lot but But when you have someone towed out of your parking lot you don't make money the people who tell you make money yeah there's always the uh but there's always the uh what what do you want to call it the kickback coming from the tow company or whatever maybe now if you've got some kind of an arrangement but mike's usually right the usually the reason you tow is because uh, you know, you're trying to keep your lot open for whatever you do. Right. I know what you mean. So anyways, we got a, we got a letter uh, from one of our, well, our show producer, actually, our segment producer, Mark, in Montana, saying, um, here's, it goes, Since my wife made a point after she heard of the first racist rabbit story, and it was this, isn't the white rabbit in a hurry at Disneyland, she said? Sophia, our daughter, had to chase down, uh, had to chase down Alice last time. I agree with my wife because I know what's good for me. And I, <laughs> I think it's a show element and perhaps the accusers aren't clued in. I never really thought of that angle. It wasn't a slight, but rather a rehearsal scene of actors on stage and not paying attention to the races of the people around them, i.e. staying in character. To me, the rabbit is in a fucking hurry inside the park. <laughs> Number two. I was and quoting, so I can't be held accountable for that one. I also wonder how these two families are so sure that cast members inside the costumes were Caucasian. Could it be that the cast member is Hispanic or black or any other race? Obviously, end of the day, it's a lawsuit in which people are looking to get something for nothing, and I wouldn't be surprised if both of the families go out each day looking for something racist to happen to them. I do find it ironic that two families making these claims are named black and white. But but then also making claims about white characters. I wonder if Mickey high-fived the kids or if Minnie gave fist bumps since they are technically black. Seems ridiculous to me, but then... I'm not black. I wonder how long until a Caucasian family sues Disney because Aladdin refused to hug them. (laughs) That's funny. Subject line was on the alleged racist rabbit and duck. My thoughts. If you are extremely bored. Well, it also needs to be noted, if I remember correctly, it's the same lawyer that's representing both families. So makes, You are correct, and it makes me wonder if after the first family came, if they found the second family or the second family was sent to see if they could get the same results. 
that and I'm thinking a little fishing and I w- I'm wondering if either one of the families knew each other even prior to the uh, situation yeah it's possible and, and I've read some of the articles when they first came out I don't have copies of them here but it seems to me they had some interaction and then you know the other thing that uh, Mark didn't consider though I do like his analogy the rabbit's always in a hurry how do you know that their handlers weren't trying to get them off stage and the second person they supposedly stopped with, the white people, um, just did catch him at the right way where he couldn't continue without, like, trampling him, stopped for a few seconds, hugs, kisses, and they kept moving on. So we don't hear the, as what Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. Yes, and and having watched him many, many times, that's usually the case is they're trying to get one character out so that the next one can come out on set and they don't want to have a situation where they have both both characters out at the same time um so they'll hold the line stop it and say right there please wait and they'll rush the one character off and then the other character they'll as soon as they get that character off they'll wait there a moment the second character comes out and they bring him right up and they continue the line right where it is uh i heard lots of times where people have complained where oh i was in line for such and such but by the time we got up there they had changed the character it's like sorry but that's you know that does happen yeah everything is fairly controlled these days with characters it's not like they used to just wander the park i mean every have a line and it's fairly controlled situation uh it's it's the chance okay that's starting to get annoying i'm sorry i'm i'm is it still the do you think it's still the mic on this end here uh, well something something's making him cut out while yeah in the middle uh, of, of talking so yeah. no one home besides me no no, no it the, the, something's getting activated that's that's taking precedence for some reason. I don't understand, you know, you know, you're full on talking, but some other, some other microphone is priority that's cutting you out. Okay. I'm muting. So Greg, please pick up where you started. I'm not sure what I was saying now, but, um, I said, you know, it's not like the, the characters can really wander the park anymore. Everything's very controlled environment where they're like brought out to the, their, their mark. They got to stand there where they, you know, a, a queue forms up. So, you know, the, the kind of the story they had is that they were able to run up to them and try to hug them or whatever. Almost doesn't seem possible by the way I've seen the characters um, run in the park these days or um, uh, how they, they, you know, work them. Other than maybe Mary Poppins and uh, Bart, I've seen them just kind of cruise around. But Mickey, Minnie, some of those—it's like they're, there's cues for them. They 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 don't wander. They they're not really they're not mixing it with the people. You know. Well, that's it. Uh, they they have set up cues and they have set up photo meeting spots. Uh, you occasionally get Alice and the Mad Hatter over at the piano at uh, Coke Corner. You do get Mary Poppins and Bert over with the Pearly Band in front of the castle. But other than that, they are very regulated. It's a topic that we've brought up in the past, I believe, on the show, and we've talked about uh, on other times, that there's the two theories of how characters should be. One should be that the characters should be free-roaming so that they can interact and play with the kids. The other is that the characters should be on their mark, on set, so that people can line up and get their autograph books signed and taken photos. 
right now they're using the latter idea and we have gotten complaints that the characters aren't interacting like they used to but people seem to be happier at the moment just standing in line so that they can make sure they get that picture and they're sure to get that autograph yes oh did we uh, can you hear me again because it sounds yes. off yes um I should mention, Carl, uh, going back to the ticket thing real quick, all the information that Carl did put in about himself was only used for the billing and not put on the ticket. So they had to re-enter all that information. This makes it sound more stupid the more we talk about it. I just I was clearing email, and I just happened to see that really quick when he um, – um, and I thought that that's worth saying. All right, so we move into the over-under – one one real quick question: the second suit. I haven't really read or seen anything. Is it also concerning the white rabbit? One incident is the duck, and one is the white rabbit. Okay, just just making sure if it was just a rabbit thing or whatever. You know the 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 duck does have dark meat. <laughs> he's not all he's quacked up to be. Oh no! Do not go there. That's so stupid. okay. <laughs> we'll just, we'll just put it on his bill. Uh, should we in, uh, <laughs> at all? say that again uh, Josh's email should we talk about that at all or is that more of a kind of a personal thing you think yeah it's kind of personal it's just, no, personal yeah. alright um, all right. I've got a here from Mark with over under things so I, was he correcting himself I, I haven't read him in a week so alright so I'm going to do the the one that says OU segment 4 edit a bit sharper and I'm going to skip question three. All right. Well, did, I saw one that had red writing in it. Like uh, Yes. And then he, he puts it all together a little better a little bit later. So now the first one that just over under list, I, I've got three, three together, all two of them on the 17th, one on the 19th. Uh, first, he's got over under list, then over under segment four, then OU segment four edit a little bit sharper. Is that We're just skipping to that one. Yes, because uh, OU segment four is questions. The list is him tracking. Gotcha. Our our uh, our yeah answers and results, and so that's very interesting. Thank you, Mark, because I think it's cool. All right, so um, yeah, I'm going to read the the one that's edit that's a little sharper. I'm skipping question three. Okay, but wait, wait, but when are do we not have enough data collected to see where? Correct. As of his thing, um, the results of the of um, first few segments. Yeah, like the guerrilla warfare. Uh, no results yet. No results yet to get. You know, I can read you the questions, but so far, forget it. He shows no results yet. Let's go then, and I'll be reading number three to see why you're skipping it as you're because okay. I think I see why you're skipping it. Okay, go ahead. Don't care. All right. Uh, cancel. Let me get back to the email because I was looking at the spreadsheets. And all right, so OU number one as a pick'em. Which will we see first from a former Imagineer? Another book by Bob Gurr or the first book by Tony Baxter? And then added personal interest question: Which would you read first? So first, who's coming out with the book first, Bob or Tony? Well, since Bob just released a book and he's still in that one uh, and whoring that out for a while. I 
You know, I'm I'm not real sure if Tony's going to release a book or will, but I would guess he probably. I'll, I'll go with Tony because I think Bob just released one. Now, which one would I read first? Uh, I haven't read Bob's yet because I don't have the cash all to purchase it. But anybody willing to send it to me, I will review it on the show. Uh, <laughs> and of all the other ones I have, you know, I haven't read in total any of the books that I've got from publishers. I read enough to get a gist of them. I don't always get back to them. A lot of times I just look at the pictures. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? The centerfold first and uh, uh, go from there. But that's that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to say Tony only because Bob just released one. And which one I'd read first? I might read Tony because he's my, my I don't want to say my nemesis right now, but the, the guy that I think I was happy to see retire. So I might read just to see what he has to say. I'm going to say uh, Tony Baxter for the same reason you have, because Bob just wrote a book. But then again, we know Bob is has no compunctions about riding the gravy train of being a former Imagineer as much as he can. For all we know, he's got a whole bunch of them lined up in the queue there ready to pop out. But, um, And I think I would read... I think I read Tony first too because I want I, I want to the first the first thing he did that I, that I really I don't want to say got behind but really I don't, so. I don't want to say expose me to him either <laughs> that's a poor choice of words in this company but and you don't want us exposed to ourselves that's right <laughs> it was because uh, Splash Mountain was his project yeah so. That's the first big Disney project that was going on when I was working there. So, so you're reading it to when uh, you were at the park too. Yeah. Okay, reason. Yep. Richard, you, you know, after- oh, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to agree. I'm going to say uh, Tony will have the next book out for all the same exact reasons. First one I would read, um, I would probably grab one of Bob's first before I read Tony's. Um, having seen a couple of the interviews with Bob and having talked with him, just some of the stories, I'd like to kind of refresh myself on some of the stories that he's told. So I would probably read Bob's book first, but I'm going to agree that Tony's going to have the next book out. Yeah, Here's my big question for Shaft. How many books do you have related to Disney legends, Imagineers, uh, about the parks, any of that? Do you actually own? Ooh, I don't know. Um, I'd have to go back and look at them. That's an over-under question. Yeah, it's an over-under question. I know it's one bookshelf. It's at least one bookshelf's worth. Anything current that I... that? uh, Um, No, nothing current. I haven't bought... The most current one I have, I think, was uh, talking about... um, Eisner and when when Eisner was leaving the company back in 05. Disney Wars? I uh, don't it might be Disney Wars. I, I don't think it was Wars. I think there was another book that I had that is at a similar time. I can't remember what the name of it was, but it might be Disney Wars. Magic I have King- to go take a look at. It. Storming the Magic Kingdom? I definitely have that book. That that's a number of years ago. That yeah, came out in like 84, didn't it? Well, kind of what I was getting at, there's been a lot of books released in the past decade or two, and it doesn't sound like Richard's got a clue of what any of those are. There, there's a lot 
let, let me let me phrase it this way: there's a lot of crap out there, and I don't I don't mean that in a that it's all crap, that it's all bad. I'm just saying there's there's just a heck of a lot of stuff out there, and I don't have. I don't have the room to put it anywhere. I don't have the money to buy any of that. So I try to be a little selective. And quite honestly, over the last five, six years, I really haven't bought any Disney books per se that I can think of because I've been, what money I have spent on books, I've gone on different books for different subjects. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Okay. No, I got, I mean, you know, I got, I, I got a, uh, couple Route 66 books and there's a couple other books I've looked at too but I mean I really haven't paid that much attention to the Disney material. Okay I just wanted because I when I was still working I was buying now you know I haven't already read buying a lot of them because I know they won't be in print forever and a lot of them had some great artwork uh, for, you know from the designing stages but what I found is I've talked to more Imagineers all, the other guy is writing revisionist history <laughs> What? They all, you know, there's always an opinion that the other guy's writing revisionist history. Yeah, and that, and that's part part of the thing too is it. I like being able to read some of it, but if I'm going to read one, I'm going to need to cover some other things because I want to get a little bit round, more rounded view of what was going on rather than just one viewpoint. Because yeah, it, you you read one book and it says one thing, but you read the next book and it says the exact opposite. And it's like. Okay, so and it, and it's completely different from what you remember of it and what you heard from talking to other people. So, okay, number two. Number two, also a pick'em. Which movie, if in fact the rumors are true and both are made, will make more money domestically? Pirates of the Caribbean Five or Guillermo del Toro's version of the Haunted Mansion? All right, I'll go first on this. Um... One, Guillermo has had some interesting movies. I'll just say it that way. And he could probably make a very demented and very interesting Haunted Mansion since we were, I think we can all collectively collectively say we were disappointed by the first Haunted Mansion. Though I will say there are small portions of that movie which I do like and find funny and are kind of cool. But in general, it was a, it was a poor film. And since I have no idea what Pirates of the Caribbean 5 might be about um, and who the director is, it's kind of an unfair question. We've got a director of one, and we know what type of films he makes, and we have a nothing information on the other. So I probably will still say Pirates because Pirates has a history of doing fairly well. I agree. Pirates is a known quantity, whereas the story material of Haunted Mansion is an unknown quantity, even though the director might have a, hist- a reputation. But a, a great director can't take a crap story and make it good. Yes. And, what, well, you know, and two on Pirates, what if Pirates 5 had no Johnny Depp? It's possible, right? Correct. No, I, I can't picture a Pirates movie without Johnny Depp being there. But, again, we've seen films that have taken major franchises that have switched or dropped characters, and you're like, how the F can we have this without that? Um, so, 
you don't rule out the impossible just to make a buck. But I agree. I, I could not see one without it either. But I'm still, you know, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, was it you that was mentioning? Uh, someone just mentioned to me recently that they thought the fourth Pirates film was the best because they got rid of Orlando Bloom and Kieran Knightley. They were just getting annoyed with those characters. <laughs> that makes me laugh. Uh, Karen's favorite is the fourth because she likes the Blackbeard and uh, Mermaid angle. So, uh, and though, you know, they borrowed its name and paid some royalties to one of my favorite science fiction writers, um, it wasn't really anything like the book. The book is actually would make a very good film, I think. Um, it had some very small elements from it, but that was about it. Uh, but it was I think it was time to drop those characters. I think they had ran their um their gamut. And they ended I think they ended it in the right place. And unless Jones comes back for some reason, he's kinda of stuck at right? Yeah, yeah, I I, I uh, think they ran their course and they, they did well and I thought it was kinda of nice the way they were able to pick up uh jack sparrow's character and it left right off where he was trying to look for the uh fountain of youth at the end of the uh, third movie i wouldn't say it left off i think there was some time that had passed uh what we have is we know where the black pearl is and i think that is easily the basis for the next film yeah um i'm my answer is going to be i definitely the pirates movie is going to go and similar to what you were saying uh, yeah, director, very interesting films. Some of them have uh, done pretty well, but I think uh, the combination of the unknown, don't know exactly what's going to be coming out, plus the the thought everybody's going to be thinking of the Eddie Murphy movie when you start mentioning Haunted Mansion, that might keep a certain amount of people away from it. Pirates, 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 Pirates is a uh, established. Uh, franchise, and you're going to have, I'm sure, Bruckheimer is going to be very much a part of it still. So you got a well-established franchise with uh, a producer that has an eye for good story. When it's too bad he didn't put in into this um, email was the um, shelving of Jungle Cruise. Oh. I, I think there's a lot of possibilities there. All right, so moving on. That, we answered that one. We're skipping number three and number four. Uh, over under one season. How long will ABC's Big Thunder Mountain TV show run? Is there going to be I, I, This is the first I've heard of it. Oh, I'm going to say under. <laughs> Never heard of Big Thunder Mountain. The production, the storyline. No, nothing about it. You know, let's... Um, well, let Richard talk for a second. I, I will Google it real quick. You, so you Google I. it. I, I, I vaguely remember some of it because they, when they talked about it, they gave a quick little brief on it on Cast TV. And I'm going to say it's going to go the way of the Star Wars television show. When they first got a hold of Lucasfilm and they were talking about, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about doing a Star Wars TV show. And that's been announced that no there's not going to be a star wars television show i don't think this one's even going to hit the air there already is a star wars television show yeah it's I, called clone, star talking, wars the clone wars i'm talking about live yeah the star wars clone but they were talking about a live action show and they announced a couple weeks ago that's that's dead that's gone okay yeah i know uh but you know 
it didn't really get anywhere beyond the announcing we might do this. So, all right. Um, January 29th, this is from The Hollywood Reporter. Oh, I know people. Um, the network adds its drama pilot orders with a period drama and a gothic monster soap. ABC is going forward with a drama based on the popular Western-themed Disney attraction, Big Thunder Mountain, ordering the period entry, as well as a gothic soap from Mark Gordon to pilot. Uh, see, the dramatic take on the Disney ride, fittingly titled Big Thunder, will be written by Jason Fox from uh, Ice Age and Continental Drift, or Ice Age, Continental Drift, and Chris Morgan, Fast and Furious, attached to the executive uh, attached to executive produced the drama revolves around a brilliant late 19th century New York doctor and his family who are given a once in a lifetime opportunity to relocate to the frontier mining town run by a powerful but mysterious tycoon they quickly realize that not everything in Big Thunder is as it seems <laughs> All right, let me read you the one I found <laughs> this one's much more funny Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, a beloved Disneyland, Disney World mine train roller coaster. Thousands of people ride this attraction daily. Now Disney wants to make a TV show about it. Yeah, that's a real thing. At least the fact that ABC has purchased a script for a proposed TV series is a real thing. A series will blend themes of drama, action, and the supernatural. Of course, though, right? If you're going to write a TV show about a ride that has no cohesive story whatsoever, you've got to inject that supernatural element. Because why not? So he goes on a rant, right? Any way you slice it, making a show based off an ambiguous roller coaster ride about a fast-moving mine train sounds pretty much like a solid money grab and nothing else. Cash in on a beloved attraction at your hugely popular parks, the built-in fan base. It's a no-brainer from a business standpoint. But from an audience standpoint, it's a big stretch. Add to the fact the script was written by Chris Morgan, writer of three of the Fast and Furious films. And he puts in parentheses, those films had writers? And, and, and Jason Fuchs, who wrote the smash at Ice Age Continental Drift. My initial response to this project still stands. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still going That's under. Free. I'm going under. <laughs> nope. If they turned it into steampunk and then brought that back in to Frontierland, that could be cool. But I don't think yeah. it's good. Think of, you know, um, oh, what was that? What was that great one from the 80s that we all watched? Uh, steampunk? Yeah, it was steampunk. Um, early pioneer. In fact, uh, Carlton Cuse worked on it. Um, that you know that did. I, and I know where you're going. I'm trying to remember it's the name. Not of the Wild show. Wild West. No, 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 no. Um, though it had a certain feel to that. The the guy from Adams Family, uh, uh, the fa- the father from the Adams Family TV show was the crazy scientist. Uh, oh, the guy. Do you ever watch? Oh, what channel was it on? It was, it was on ABC, I want to say. And it was a steampunk show? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. And Gomez Adams? Gomez Adams. But I'm thinking that the, the main star is uh, on uh, that series worth. What's it? It's a. Uh, God, frick, I hate when this happens. Get John Aston was in it, okay. John Aston, yeah. But. Uh, um, well, one I'm thinking of that keeps coming to mind was Wild Side that lasted not quite a full season. I kind of enjoyed that television show. And that was filmed on the Disney Studios. No, no this, this wasn't that. It was like the adventures of 
Bri oh, Briscoe County Jr. Oh, Briscoe County Jr., yeah. I remember that one. I did not watch that. Um, but anyways, I will, you know, I, I have to say that because whoever thought Disney, when I first heard about the live action one with all the, uh, storybook or st story, um, princesses and all that, and the way they were going to do it, I'm like, oh, this isn't going to work. You know, Snow White's got a kid, right? Out of wedlock. What? The talking about once upon a time. Oh, oh. That show worked for the first season. Karen's still watching it. But, you know, what I'm saying is who thought, I mean, when I heard about it, I thought it sounds interesting, but really, come on, is it going to go anywhere? And it's, what, in its third season now? Uh, second. You sure it's not? In no, no, I think it's, it's, it's in its third season right now. It's about midway through the third season. But I don't know enough about Big Thunder and what the true story is going to be. I mean, I, I read that a little bit. Some, you know, their families moving out here or to the the West. That to me, that's still not enough. But yeah, I'm, you know, because it sounds somewhat cheesy, I'm going to say under. I'd hope that it could be good and uh, have a good Western on TV. But I'm going to say under. Let's just cut to the chase. Richard, I don't think it's going to hit the air. Okay. Definitely under. Once Upon a Time is only in its second season. Thank you very much. Really? Really. I thought it, it, I thought it was in its third. It's, it's those mid-season breaks that throw you off. It's <laughs> like they're talking about, we're in the 21st season of The Amazing Race. It has not been on for 20 21 years. years. It's only had, but see, they call they should call it the 22nd race, not the season. That's what I always refer to. I don't refer to it as season. It's the 22nd race. But... Yeah, those mid-seasons where they cut, and then they started off like it's a whole new season. No, you're just starting up the mid-season. Yeah, I think Star Galactica, you'd think it was five seasons, but they call it 4.5 for the last season. It's kind of weird. All right. All right, next uh, one. We got three more we got to get through before we turn to pumpkins here. All right, number number five or four because we skipped three. Pick them. Another movie question. Which movie will have a bigger domestic gross? Saving Mr. Banks with Tom Hanks or Tomorrowland with George Clooney? Tomorrowland? Jeez, there's another one I haven't heard of. Anything about Tomorrowland. And I would I would go with Tomorrowland. Okay, I don't care if it's Tom Hanks or George Clooney. I don't know that the story behind Saving Mr. Banks is going to have a wide appeal beyond the Disney fans where Tomorrowland, depending if the name Tomorrowland is just a cover for some futuristic sh film. Because um, what was that Richard might remember? There there was a Disney animated feature that in the trailers made you think you're going to, you, you saw like almost like a Space Mountain, uh, the monorail, and then the story was kind of so-so. Meet the Robinsons? Thank you, that one, yeah. Um the I actually liked that movie. That was a. I thought that was a really neat movie. Yeah, it was. A, it was a neat. I'll give you that. It was a neat movie. It was. It, it's starting with the beginning of this show. No, it definitely was not Oscar worthy, but it was definitely a. It, it's one that I'm looking forward to adding to my collection. Yeah, I give you that. It was neat. It was entertaining. It's a popcorn movie. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, again. Not knowing um, 
what this Tomorrowland movie with George Clooney. See, I, I and I'm still, and I've said this a lot. I, I think George Clooney has two two characters he plays. He plays George Clooney, and he plays a guy from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Where Art Thou, Burn After Reading, or Men Who Stare at Goats. So he's got that character, and he's got the other character. And when so he has straight George Clooney, and then we have nutty George Clooney. Basically, yes, and the nutty George Clooney is, I think, usually pretty close to the same, and. When he got all that Oscar buzz for Up in the Air and that last one where his wife is dying or whatever is probably, you know, I I just don't get because he just played the same part. Maybe the story was better, but he's still just George Clooney. Now, that doesn't mean I don't like I, George Clooney. Yeah, I, I, I will give George credit on The Descendants. I thought he played a wider range of a character in the descendants. So I thought he did a much better. That was probably one of his better, best acting jobs was on the descendants. There. Yeah. I, I, I like saying, I, I don't dislike him. I really like the, uh, you know, the three, uh, um, ocean movies. movies. And those roles, I almost seem like they're written for him. That is kind of who he is to me. You know, I watched him early on ER. I've seen him in all these other things. And I just, I don't, find him to be really wide ranging but that doesn't mean I don't like him I like some actors just because they are who they are and they're fun to watch he's he's a very charismatic individual now I just found something that said this uh, Walt Disney Studios has been keeping the details about George Clooney's 1952 project under lock and key with the exception of announcing a 2014 release date Uh, now comes the news Clooney is confirmed to star the film's title is officially Tomorrowland so okay, well, dig this director, Brad Bird. I know, and written by Damon Lindelof of Star okay. Trek, and Lost, right? And Lost. All right, so I don't know enough about nineteen. I don't know enough about Tomorrowland to be able to say one thing or the other. I think uh, Saving Mr. Banks is going to do better than you give it credit for. Just I, I want to go even just with the. Emma Thompson, Tom Hanks, just the fans that are going to want to go see them will help bring it better. But I think it's going to be a decent storyline to where I think it's going to have a pretty good showing. I don't know enough about Tomorrowland to say if it's going to be better or not. Uh, I think we should maybe we should shelve this question until more information about Tomorrowland comes out. Listen to this line and tell me. Well, I think your reaction to this line out of is this the Huffin, Huffington Puffington Post? What am I reading here? <laughs> no, this is Zap to it is what it's called this line shows you that the person who wrote this has no fucking clue the tomorrowland attraction is currently anchored by (laughs) it's currently anchored by what no somebody said just said something i said four (laughs) okay um remember when you talk it drowns me out um and i don't mean that you're talking over me your mic shuts me off the tomorrowland attraction is currently anchored by Michael Jackson's Captain EO and hasn't seen a major overhaul since 1998. As for the film, the concept for the tentpole project is attributed to Jeff Jensen and Bird, who will direct. Huh? Yeah. The Tomorrowland attraction is currently anchored Anchored by EO. Really? And then it also said the title was said to reference a file box labeled 1952 
found in Walt Disney De- Walt Disney's development lab after his death. Okay. Yeah, I I'm not going to try to answer this question. I don't. It's this person, Molly Chance, and you can follow her at Molly Chance on Twitter. I think all of our listeners should tweet her saying she doesn't know <laughs> a fuck. And my cast said so. Get your terminology cred. All right, so you're gonna are you gonna try to prognosticate on this? Or you want to skip it? Really, don't think saving Mr. Banks is gonna have, unless people like Richard said want to go for the actors. I don't know if you just heard. Hey, I want to hear. I want. I want to go see a movie about how they made a movie about Mary Poppins. I don't know if 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 that's your trailer. No one's gonna. That's go. that's not what the movie's about. It's not talking about making the movie making the movie Mary Poppins. It deals with uh, Walt trying to get the rights to it, but more importantly, and this is the major part of it, it goes into uh, what's her name's past and talks about her. You know what, where the storyline came from. So it's a period piece that is actually taking place at turn of the turn of the nineteen hundreds. Yeah, I, I know I misspoke there. I I know what you mean. And they did do that movie about the guy that wrote Peter Pan, right? Um, uh, was that Neverland? Yeah, or, Johnny Depp played yeah, him, right? Right. That one did okay. I just don't. Currently, I'm not. The descriptions of why they're making this movie or what it's about isn't, you know, making me want to go just run to see it before I see Star Trek or uh, a couple of the other big ones coming out like Oz and those. So, yeah, I think we can almost save this for later since we don't know enough about Tomorrowland yet. All right, good. Two more. Pick them. Get to know your hosts. Which cult favorite snack from Disneyland is your go-to snack? Corn dog, turkey leg, churro, or Dole Whip. Also, add your favorite if you have one and the most overrated. All right. Since we're you know going long on time, let's not do the extra stuff. But I I, I bet you I can guess uh, which I, Greg we'll, is. We'll, we'll do the extra. Let's do the extra stuff. They wanted a two-hour show. Let's do a two-hour show. Gosh. I, do, I'll do this quick. I could guess uh, Greg's. For one, uh, I would say corn dog, but it's no snack. That's a meal. <laughs> I Dole Whip and think they're way overrated. I'd never stand in that fucking line to get a stupid piece of whipped ice cream or whatever, especially when it's got uh, pineapple in it, which I absolutely hate. So, snack-wise, churro. Turkey legs are dry, overrated pieces of shit that I would never buy. (laughs) There you go. There's my pick. I wouldn't eat a turkey leg either. Yeah, churro for me. Uh, Snack, good snackage is a uh, corn dog. Corn dog is a good snackage. Overrated is a turkey leg, and I would stand in line for a Dole Whip. So you think corn dog's a snack? Okay, and you guys. I, I didn't say corn dog's a snack. I agree with you. The corn dog is a is a meal, but I know that if you had your choice of a corn dog or a churro, you'd probably eat a corn dog first. Yes. See, I, I'm just being honest. I would go for that corn dog, and I would still uh, plan for dinner later on. No, we know you would. <laughs> That's right. Holding his little tray with mustard. <laughs> Damn straight. I don't put a little tray of mustard. You put the mustard straight on the dog. Go for it, dude. No, no, Gertrude. You always have your hands full when you eat, dude. <laughs> Pinky and Because you got to hold the drink. Right, numbers. All right, last one. Over under three years. Before Cars Land loses some of its luster and forces Disney to return to offering SoCal residents discounted tickets. Under. 
Do you think it's less than three years? Well, because I think when it really sinks in that the area has one attraction and two that you really don't want to wait in line for or, or are not worth the wait, um, I think it, it will come down under three. Maybe not – I mean, it could be really close, but – and I think the area is beautiful, but I think it's it's really – it's a one-hit wonder in there. I think the other two will get people to go on them, but I think Luigi's might be the first to actually get canned or changed or something. Yeah, we already talked about that one on another over-under. Uh, I'm going to say over, but only barely. But, you know, he's attributing – it only to Cars Land, and though there's no attractions, I think the new entry has just as much to do with the popularity, because uh, I think it, what it shows is they um, gave some attention to the park overall, not just added a new land and left everything else alone. They made a, a an effort to uh, improve a lot of areas, so I don't think Car though Cars Land is a huge draw. Don't get me wrong, I don't think it's the only thing. Um, that are um, making it the reason why they're they're not discounting right now. Uh, no kidding. I mean, all right. So, uh, Mermaid and the area in front of Mermaid all redone, right? The viewing area for World of Color, World of Color itself. The uh, the new the new dining over by Goofy Sky School. Goofy Sky School. Uh, the the Toy Story ride. Uh, taking the trolleys all the way up to uh, from yeah over to the tower. I mean, they've just overall they've made give the park a whole new feel that people want to say, "Let's go see what this thing looks like now." Yes. Oh, wow, Carsland too. This is awesome. You know, I think so. I think it's a package deal. Though Carsland, I think, is the anchor to the package. I think it's still an overall package. So yeah, I'm gonna say like four years. So I'm going with the over. Okay, Richard. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go over, and I'm sorry to say I don't think you're gonna see those prices anytime in the anywhere in the near new near future. Uh, the one biggest reason is because we're assuming nothing's going to happen in the next three years. And we've already talked about some of the rumors and some of the other things that of, uh, I mean, heck, Big Thunder is going through its huge rehab. People are gonna jump back in line again come November to get back onto Big Thunder, and it's going to be a real hot attraction again, I think, at least in the first half of next year. There's going to be new things there, and even with the higher prices, they're still continuing to increase their sales on uh, annual passes. So I, I think I think it's going to be quite a while, if if ever. I I have to a little disagree a little bit with people can make a mad rush and just have to ride Big Thunder. I think people will say, oh, God, it's been a while since I could ride it. They'll ride it. But they're not really changing anything, right? They're replacing all the the track. It's not – I mean, Space Mountain I don't think has increased or decreased. It's kind of stayed the same uh, after its big rehab. We know already the, <laughs> the lines for um, Star Wars has, have dropped off. The lines are practically non-existent at, at uh, Lincoln from what I'm hearing, other than those Voices of Liberty are helping to at least get people to come listen to them sing. So I think some of those will go back to normal, meaning, you know, they are – I mean, Big Thunder wasn't unpopular. It was still busy. You know, you see what I'm saying? Right. But what I'm saying is we're making – two assumptions one we're assuming nothing's going to happen in the next few years that will be any kind of draw and i'm just saying big thunder is yeah it's not 
changing. It's going to still be the same attraction. Uh, from a rider standpoint, it's going to be the same. It's it, the only new stuff is going to be what you don't see. Um, but I think it's still going to be a draw. And the second big question is, are people willing to pay the mo- the extra money to hold on to those annual passes? And I think, yeah, people are going to be willing to spend the extra money. So because they are increasing the sales on the annual passes, so I don't think there's. It, any reason why Disney is going to drop the rates. It's not like they need to. What are you basing off, you know, what date are you saying that they're increasing their um, their sales for annual passes? What do you mean? What's telling you that their sales have jumped on annual passes with their 30% increase this year? I'm not saying that they jumped. I'm saying that they are continuing to sell them and they are continuing people are returning and buying them and new people are buying them so not only are they holding on to a lot of the existing i mean i'm there 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 is though there are those that for one reason or another are not going to renew but they'll renew later on but the amount of passes that you have out is still that are current the number is still creeping up every, you know, ever so slowly, but it's still going up. Where you it, getting, it's, it's not this huge, tremendous jump, but it's still going up. Where are you getting that information from? Um, there was a trade magazine. Disney doesn't give any numbers out, but there was a trade magazine that was talking about that, what was it, a year and a half, two years ago, Disney was just shy of a million annual passes for Disneyland. And then they were talking in a similar article uh, around December that they had crossed the million mark. So they're still going up slowly but surely. Now, don't call me Shirley, but um, don't. maybe I'm misunderstanding why they're not incre- or keeping the prices. My understanding from a few things I read and from a few emails I got was the park's too crowded, so if they stop giving this uh, low discount, that will hold back some of the crowd so it's a more enjoyable experience. Not that, hey, we can charge them more, they're still going to come, but that they might actually see a little decrease and uh, a balance out because when you're giving it away, people are just flocking to the park like they used to do when they used to have the $20 and $40 weekends and we would see crime increase because now every <laughs> time can come in, um, that's the way I was looking at it. Maybe I'm looking at it totally wrong, but I I was looking at it from a point of it's just too crowded. We can't afford to have all these people here. Okay. Well, let's take a look at it from that point. Is Yeah, we're right. Uh, it was crowded. And it was a way to try to get, cut back on some of the things, but people still bought the, the uh, more expensive annual passes anyways. Because they're letting them buy um, it over time. Right. That and, too. You know, if they made them buy it all up front, different story. Very true. Let's okay. This is only affecting people buying like the local ticket, not an annual pass. They're still, they. My my daughter just recently bought the cheap annual pass. I don't can you call it cheap anymore? Uh, The local or local select, whatever they call it. What exactly are they eliminating? Just the local one day or two or three day discounted ticket for locals. What do you mean when they're eliminating? What are you talking about eliminating? Like uh, resident discount. Is it a one and two or three day ticket? What exactly did they eliminate? I understood it was tickets, not annual passes. 
No, I thought that we were talking about the annual passes. Are you are you talking about the SoCal like the two for tickets and those type of things? Yes. Disney's on SoCal resident discount tickets. Don't you remember two years ago? Buy um, come. Yeah, buy come, one get two. I'm I'm and come back another day because there's because there was the cheaper annual pass that was also towards uh, locals. No, too, he's talking there. about the SoCal resident the two day. Hundred bucks, two days. Was that wasn't that hundred dollars? Some discounted ticket for local yeah. residents. Okay, then that's my mistake because I misunderstood, and I will say under on the on the three year thing. The, the cheapest annual pass. I'm taking the mid two or high twos, right? It's like two seventy, and it's like a, it's like almost two hundred blackout days. Yeah, when I asked my daughter about that, she's like, "Those are the days I don't want to go." Yeah. <laughs> That's lazy. Anything go mid middle of the week, you know. Okay, if we're talking about the, like the two for tickets and that type of stuff, under three years, they'll they'll bring them back because th- those are good, quick, easy to go, and and it helps during some of the off season. What off season? Good question. Mm. Yeah, that's what I always say too. It was so, to- they feel claustrophobic on the new Matterhorn uh, buckets. I feel close. I actually, when I've ridden it once since it's reopened, and I felt claustrophobic. I suddenly got, just as we're getting making that turn to go onto the lift, I got really uncomfortable and even uh, a little panicky on it. I didn't like it at all. Now, this is from the man that flies in a little tiny airplane sometimes, and this is from the man who doesn't like roller coasters in the first place. So go figure. Well, you know, there's different there's, there's different kinds of heights, right? <laughs> controlled height and non-controlled well, height, right? Well, you know, no, I call it shaky heights and stable heights. Okay, know, I, that's a good analogy. I like that. I mean, you know, I'm I'm scared of standing on top of a shaky ladder, you know, ten feet off the ground, but I'm not afraid to sit my butt in an open door of an airplane at five hundred feet off the ground. You know, because I I don't believe the airplane's going to fall out of the sky, but I do believe the ladder's going to tip over at any minute. Yeah, I'm that, scared of the height. I'm scared of the sudden deacceleration. <laughs> That's what they say. It's, it's not the, the fall that kills you; it's the sudden stop. Yeah. Oh, we right. say it's the bounce. So when you hit the gr- <laughs> so when you hit the ground, grab on. <laughs> well, that's it for the night, right? Yes. Yes, we're done. I'm tired of the uh, our little technical difficulty as well, so I'll let you say goodnight first, Greg. First, Greg. Richard. I'll say goodnight. Just I'll say goodnight. Second. All right. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye.